0: And oh, he hits the upright again. That's impossible. The Bears'
1: season's going to end on
0: a double doink. Doink. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. That's what you want to know. It's the TC Martin Show. Yeah, I had an idea. Diagnosis. I had an idea. And then uh, prognosis. You know, I take this f- serious. Osmosis. Was it funny? It wasn't. It wasn't funny. I wasn't laughing, about it Yeah. It's not funny. It's not fun. Nothing's funny. Don't you ever talk about me. Yeah, I know that idea. That's the result you won't get. It's The Doctor, T.C. Martin. I don't go out there and laugh, laugh. The Doctor is now in.
1: And a very good Tuesday afternoon to you. Yes, recapping a glorious Monday Night Football game. Well, maybe not really <laughs> a glorious game, but a victory if you are a Raiders fan. If you're a Packers fan, you're just shaking your head and you're going... Where's Aaron Rodgers? Where's Brett Favre for that matter? Where's anybody but Jordan Love? Atrocious. We'll talk all about the game last night as the Raiders defeat the Packers 17 to 13. Turnover fest. That's what that game was, especially on the Packers side. We'll dive into that. We'll talk Major League Baseball. We got action as we speak. Game number 3 between the Astros and the Twins. Astros got on top early with four big runs in the first, and that series tied one game apiece. And then tonight, could we have elimination, the first elimination in the divisional series? Texas Rangers going for the sweep. They are at home as they took the first two games from Baltimore on the road. And then tomorrow, Dodgers. Could they be eliminated? We'll talk some Major League Baseball with Chris Basio. He will join us today the former pitcher and, of course, the former pitching coach for several teams, including those Chicago Cubs, back in 2016. So Boz will join us today. Sam Gordon will join us. We will talk Raiders game last night as well as the Aces. Get ready for game number two of the WNBA Finals. Coming your way tomorrow night at the Michelob Ultra Arena. Remember, special start time, 6 p.m. tomorrow because of The nationally televised game, WNBA. And, uh, that game will be on ESPN, the radio side. We will be on Raider Nation Radio tomorrow. So make a note of that. If you want to listen to the game, you can't watch it. Tune in with me, uh, 530 pregame show with Becky Hammond and the real MVP Asia Wilson. All right. And, uh, you'll get a chance to hear from Asia Wilson tomorrow on the show here as well tomorrow. So we look forward to that as we get ready for the Aces and Liberty Game 2. Aces win game number one by 17 points, 99-82 on Sunday afternoon. We hit on that yesterday. And again, a shout-out to our good friends of Slice of Vegas, where we did the show yesterday, the Raider Tailgate Party. Appreciate all those that came out yesterday and got their grub on. Uh, Great atmosphere, phenomenal food, as we well know, at Slice of Vegas. And uh, Scott Frost and the guys, great job. Scott also owns Who Songs, uh, both proud sponsors uh, of the show and of the Las Vegas Aces as well. And uh, the food was just amazing yesterday. And everybody that was there enjoyed it. Everybody that was there, numchuck, Well, I have to be here uh, so know, that we broadcast. Okay, okay let me let, let me say something. Now, you got a pretty detailed business card right i do you do that- Right. you got several positions here and in several of those positions or many of those positions they're they're high octane they're high authority positions yeah so again you have some power you have some power you you got some power a little bit so you have some power to come on the road especially when i invite you on the road you you can come and do that you know you just go ahead and you know, you go through your Rolodex here, like I go through my Rolodex every day and get guests on. You go through your Rolodex and say, Um, uh, you know, I I gotta go eat today. Yeah, I I gotta you know, it's business. I gotta go monitor the situation. I have to oversee TC's remote. Yeah, you can do that. You so can get away with that. Should I like you have the power
2: to do that? So should I like call Quake in and have him, you know, pinch hit?
1: Yeah, only if only if uh Saks would come in and they could do a, a tag team. Oh, that would be a great tag team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you should. You should ring up Quake. I mean, how many times did he ring you up when you were first starting? About come fill in, right? Every day. There you go. <laughs> Every day. Every day. So I can't say I feel sorry for you. Even though I, you know, try to at least offer, and then you turn me down regularly, so.
2: Well, because it's, it's, you know, like, I have to be here, and... Yeah,
1: some, so I say, so you got to start using that authority you have and say... Some of those replacements I have, yeah. you don't like. Yeah. Maybe you better find some, some good... uh some good interviewees. How's that? I got you. You got me. Got you. <laughs> That's it. Uh, but I, I do want to. Uh, I do want to take you out for your birthday though. That's fine. But will you say it's fine? But every time I, you know, we try to line up a schedule. It's like, well, I, I can't do that. Well, I've got to do that. I got to do that. I'm just wondering. You know, we'll do it after the road trip. Do you have any handcuffs, by the way? Do, have do hand- I have
2: any handcuffs?
1: Yes. Do you have do handcuffs why? at home? Just wondering. Do yes, need, I do. Do you need to get a do you need to get a hall pass? No. Do I need to call? No. Do I need to call Miss Heather and get you a hall pass? No. no. Not at all. <laughs> That's okay.
2: She'd be uh, fine with that.
1: Okay. Maybe the boss needs to give you a hall pass from yeah. here. That's the deal. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Nunchuck's birthday is tomorrow. It's a it, it's a monumental birthday too. It is. See, we've had this discussion before about monumental birthdays. So now I'm gonna I'm twisting it on you now. I'm putting it on you, my friend. Monumental birthday. Now, do you have any plans? Oh, wait. I, I know I know the next sentence is coming. Oh, I I I can't do anything. Oh, we have breaking news. We'll go live to our birthday on the spot reporter, numchuck himself, talking about numchuck's birthday. I'll be working. You'll be working. <laughs> that is not breaking news. <laughs> uh that is not breaking news. Come on, man. You need to celebrate. I'm, Come I'm on, going man. to it some point. I just want to celebrate, celebrate. See, no, I just Can think... I get a little Rare Earth, please? I know you want to go cool in the gang celebration. That's fine. We heard that Saturday night. But I'm just feeling like in a Rare Earth mood right now. I don't know why. Because it's a terrible Tuesday, and I want to rock it a little bit. And we got a rocker coming on, Chris Bozzio. Yeah! Nupchuck's birthday tomorrow. I was going to save this for tomorrow. But let's go. We'll be like Dennis Rodman. We'll be like T.C. Martin and have the birthday weekend. Or the birthday week. I wholeheartedly celebrate that. I
3: just want to celebrate.
0: In the sporting world, that's a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. Something stinks in here. That's terrible. (laughs) It's terrible Tuesday. Things gone wrong in the sporting world.
1: All right, we are five weeks into the NFL season right now, and we, when we think of terrible regarding the NFL, what do we think about right now? Who do we think about? Which team do we think about? Hmm.
2: The Bears. (laughs)
1: <laughs> That's true. We think about the Bears or maybe the Panthers, right? Winless. Okay. Well, the bears aren't winless. Le- at least they won a the game, right? Panthers terrible. Bears terrible, right? But I'm gonna go in a different direction. I'm gonna go with the team that many people thought could be a Super Bowl team. And I'm sick and tired of it because we hear about it every single season. And of course, we're talking about your team. Not America's team. They still call themselves America's team. The Dallas Cowboys. Drill pressed on Sunday, as predicted, 42 to 10 by the best team in the NFL. The San Francisco 49ers are the Las Vegas Aces of the WNBA. All right? On the verge of potential dynasty, especially with a young quarterback like Brock Purdy and all the weapons they have. They can keep Christian McCaffrey there for a while and Debo Samuel, and both on the defensive side of the ball. They're tremendous. Well, the Cowboys were downright terrible again on Sunday. Dak Prescott, awful. 14 for 24, 153 yards, one touchdown, and count them, one, two, three interceptions with a quarterback rating of 51.6. All the talk about Dallas being good. And that's why they're a star of Terrible Tuesday. Because this team... As Dennis Green once said, they are who we thought they were. Can I get a little Dennis Green? I miss Dennis Green. All the talk about Dallas being good. Well, let's diagnose it. Okay? They started off the season, played the lowly Giants, and beat them 40 to nothing. Right? So they beat the Giants. They beat the New York Jets. They beat the New England Patriots. Oh, by the way, huh? how good do those wins look right now? All right? The Giants, the Jets, and New England. Terrible, terrible, and awful, right? And the losses that the Cowboys have had. Let's don't forget, not only did they lose to the Niners 42-10, to but they lost to one of the worst teams in the NFL as well, too, and that is the Arizona Cardinals. Don't forget about that. As a double-digit favorite, they lost to the Arizona Cardinals. In the Cowboys' wins, they've outscored opponents 108 to 13. you say, wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, well, again, that's Giants, Jets, Patriots. Stink, stink, stink. But in their two losses, the Dallas Cowboys were outscored 70 to 26. Repeat. 70 to 26. Translation? This team isn't
3: very good. Translation? Or who we thought they were. And that's why we took the damn field. Now, you wanna crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook.
1: <laughs> it never gets old. Never gets old. The Dallas Cowboys cannot beat a quality opponent. It's same old, same old. You old enough to remember that same same old, same old. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's I like that. Haven't used that in a long time. Same old, same old. Uh, they did this exact same old, same old thing last year, if you remember, right? Last September, who'd they beat? Well, they beat the Giants. They beat the Commanders. Oh, they lost to Philadelphia. And if you remember an opening day last year, they lost to Tampa Bay. Minus Tom Brady, not very good, right? Yeah. No. They beat one team of significance all last season. One team. If you go back to Dallas Cowboys' schedule last year, they beat one team of significance, and that was the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm not even sure how significant they are. Or were, right? And that was back in September, and they beat him 20-17. to 17. So this is the Dallas Cowboys that you got. Mike McCarthy has got to go. And see, I've never won. Saying, coaches should be fired, because I don't like that. Dave? Don't like that. But Mike McCarthy, you knew who he was when you hired him. At least Jerry Jones didn't. But those that watched him up close and personal in Green Bay, you knew that it was just a matter of time. They're not going to win anything with Mike McCarthy. Same thing with Dak Prescott. You're not going to win anything with Dak, Dak Prescott. Those two ham and eggers have got to go. The Dallas Cowboys need to get a head coach and a quarterback. And maybe they need a new owner. Well, I guess, you know, you don't want to say they need a new owner because Jerry Jones spends a boatload of money. But Jerry Jones needs to keep some, keep himself out of the operations field. That's what he needs to do. But until they get a new coach, a new quarterback, it's going to be same old, same old Cowboys. Because we know who they are and what they've been in recent memory.
3: Or who we thought they were. That's why we took the damn field. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Thanks, Coach. (laughs) The Baltimore
1: Orioles, best record in the American League. Over 100 wins. But how many they got so far in the postseason? The Big Z. None so far. They have been beaten down by the Texas Rangers. A team barely got in as the number six seed. Sure, I understand they led the American League West for 159 games. I get that. But they collapsed big time in the final month of the season, especially the last week, especially the final weekend. The Baltimore Orioles are a story that they were a laughing stock for the better part of the past two decades, all right? The Baltimore Orioles have won one playoff series since 2014, all right? And if you go back to the Baltimore Orioles, let's go back to 1997, all right? Because they were relevant in the late 90s, all right? Since 1997... The Orioles have been in the postseason four times, including this year. And their record is six wins and ten losses. But a 100-win team, and they cruised to the division title in the American League East, and they got embarrassed. Not just lost, but they got embarrassed in their first two home games, in their home park, against the Texas Rangers. All right? This is a team that doesn't have the experience I like to talk about. When you come to October Baseball, it's all about having the experience. Mm-hmm. So, if you watch the Baltimore Orioles, and they're on the verge of elimination tonight, alright they're going to send Dean Kramer, UNLV product, former UNLV product, to the mound tonight. He's had some some problems. And uh, Texas is going to go for the sweep, and Texas is back at home at Global Life Field. So, uh, they're going to be revved up and fired up in Texas to, to sweep this team. We'll see what Baltimore can do. I will say this about the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, they have the them and the Astros, the two best records in baseball uh, on the road this year. So we'll see if they can work some road magic. But the Orioles had a little different excitement over the weekend. Right up your alley, Chuck. Do you know what happened in Baltimore over at the, the ballpark on Saturday afternoon? No. Game one, the Orioles fans are pumped up. They're fired up. They're ready to go, Right. And the Texas Rangers are drilling them. Here comes the eighth inning. Fans have lost interest, and they're going, man, these are the same old Orioles. But we had a little action. A little action that started in the stands and then worked its way down to the field. Oh, yes. We had a, a streaker.
2: Oh, yes. We
1: had a streaker. The unidentified man was clad only in a Speedo. A Marco D'Angelo Speedo. And do you know what it said on the Speedo? Virginity
3: rocks.
1: (laughs) That's right. This guy's wearing a Speedo. Virginity rocks. Now, you got to help me out here. I don't know how anybody diagnosed that because if you're... This guy wasn't very big. He's kind of a smaller guy. And he's wearing a Speedo. How do you get... Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, space, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 14 letters on a Speedo. And then be able to read it. I have no answer. I have no answer. <laughs> <laughs> it said Virgin- Virginity Rocks on the front. And then he had a pair of socks. And he jumped out of the stands in left field. And attempted to streak across the field But was apprehended by security The streaker made his entrance Onto the field Much to the astonishment of the crowds There at Camden Yards The entire incident took about mm, About 10 minutes, believe it or not Kind of lengthy By the time they chased him down And arrested him Removed him from the field About 10 minutes He was escorted off the premises in handcuffs. See, I was asking you about your handcuffs earlier. Went through the door near home plate. Baltimore police officers. And what did the crowd do? They applauded the streaker. You know why they applauded the streaker? Because it was the most entertainment that they've had so far in this playoff series.
2: So I'm watching the video now.
1: Okay. Okay? Yeah. Tell
2: me why he's out in center field. Right? (laughs) Right? Well he, and he, they
1: bring him he jumped off and left. Well yeah, but they so he they was get, in the cheap seats and left.
2: They get him in center field. Mm-hmm. Why does why do they bring him through the home plate door, not the center or not one of the side doors?
1: I don't think there is one there where they could get him out and they want to take him to the the jail, basically the security yeah. jail to yeah. you know. So yeah, uh I mean obviously there's no door. In the fence, in the yeah. outfield fence, so that was the way you got to exit, and you didn't want to take him through the clubhouse, through the dugout. <laughs> I'm sure there would have been good. There, I'm sure there's another way to get through there, though. Home plate where the umpires go. Okay, there's a little door there where the home plate uh, umpires go, and that's where you take him, and then you down the tunnel away from everything else. There you go. I I don't know. You know, again, I don't run security for 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 Camden Yards. I don't know of the uh, you know. The architecture of the ballpark. I just laugh at it because
2: now they got to bring him all the way and they're carrying him.
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: All the way. Yeah.
1: It's not like they're helping an injured player off the field, limping him. They're like carrying him. Yeah. 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 Virginity rocks. Now, do we know? We understand these idiots are always having a message, okay? Like the person that glued themselves to the floor in Minnesota. Remember the NBA game last year? And they're protesting some. So, what does "virginity rocks" mean?
2: I have no idea.
1: What? I mean, is this some new website, or is he just trying to say, you know, by the way, don't he, mess
2: around. By the way, he looks. Yeah, he's a virgin. Yeah,
1: <laughs> he can't get none. No. As the Rolling Stones once said, he can't get no nothing satisfaction. <sighs> Most entertaining thing that happened at Camden Yards other the weekend. Will Baltimore advance in this series? No. Will Baltimore win a game in this series? One. You're going to win one? Yeah. We'll ask that same question to our next guest here coming up at the bottom of the hour. Sticking to baseball, how about those Dodgers? Talking about the Orioles, how about the Dodgers? Same scenario, down two games to nothing. They lost both games at Chavez Ravine at Dodger Stadium. Game one to the Diamondbacks, 11-2. to shellacking and who was on the mound in that game none other than Clayton Kershaw future Hall of Famer Clayton Kershaw gets the start in game one six earned runs in the first inning he lasted a third of an inning he was able to record one out did not record a strikeout walked a batter as well too and got banged all over the field Clayton Kershaw if you don't know doesn't have it anymore against good teams, and especially in the postseason. This has been a story for a long, long time. And the Dodgers were fooled. Davey Rogers, Davey Rogers, Dave Roberts has been fooled with this mirage of Clayton Kershaw performing pretty well during the course of the season. All right, You get him to the postseason, forget about it. The good teams have his number, especially a division opponent like the Arizona Diamondbacks. And the Dodgers thought we got a cakewalk. Oh, the Diamondbacks. Hey, Diamondbacks don't belong in the postseason. What did I say last week? The two teams that have the biggest mojo going right now are the Phillies and the Diamondbacks. And they had to fight for their lives to get in the postseason. And they've had all the momentum and they swept their wild card series. Won two games in a row, each of their respective wild-card series, and then are rolling now in the division series and winning both games on the road. Dangerous teams because they have momentum. The Dodgers have no pitching. They got no Clayton Kershaw. Well, they have him, But remember, you have no Julio Urias, all right? You've got no Walker Bueller. Oh, and by the way, you have no Trevor Bauer. Could he have helped right now? Oh, by the way, what does Trevor Bauer and Julio Urias have in common?
2: They're both on the suspended list. <laughs>
1: yeah, for pretty much the same, same thing. thing. Pretty much the same thing, huh? Not cheating females the best way. Holding them ha- captive. This offense is not the same. They have two players. They have Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts, and that's about it. It's just a matter of time before the Los Angeles Dodgers get eliminated, plain and simple. Asia's
4: dumbass.
1: <laughs> what, what are you doing? What are you doing? I had that pulled up for from earlier. So you're just like waiting to play it, like that's like the I hot always that, 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 the that, hot that's button? a new hot key. Yeah. yes. and how does that have anything? It, it wasn't. Way? I thought it was that when I pressed. Yeah, yeah. Okay. you know, you can go back and edit that out. Terrible Tuesday. Yeah, but, yeah this is true. <laughs> you know, in your final day, your 39th year, you know, you go down in flames. Because remember, when the clock strikes midnight, it's a new decade for you, my friend. New decade. Get the four going. How you doing with fours over there? You like fours? Madam Zania once did a poem called 40. I'll have to find that one for you. All right. College football. Yes, it was the talk of the weekend. The Miami Hurricanes. Five and0, undefeated, looking good, huh? They're playing Georgia Tech. They're leading 20 to 17 with 33 seconds to go. Miami has the ball on the Georgia Tech 30-yard line. You would think that the game was over, right? You think the game is over. They have the ball. They have to do one thing. All they have to do is do my favorite thing in football, and that is go Neil Diamond. But Miami did not elect to do that.
4: Hey, like yeah. you should not be handing this football off. Like, I don't know what Miami is doing. That's it.
0: And here's Cheney. Just straight ahead, tackled, and the ball popped out. He's gonna read the clock.
4: I mean, read the card. I mean, and to me,
0: Georgia Tech has it with 26 seconds left. Three to the field for King. Up in the pocket, gonna loop it down the field, and it is caught and that's Rutherford here's King from the pocket flush to his right with six five gonna loop it downfield and ball is caught touchdown Georgia Tech with one second to go in the ball game Christian Leary here's Van Dyke looking flips it to the middle of the field this is Restrepo He'll dance. The clock has expired. And Xavier Restrepo's got to look for help. Now he's going to throw it back across the field. And here is Kobe Young coming to the near side. Now Young going to give it back to Van Dyke. He's going to sling it back to Restrepo. Miami trying to string this play out. Schoolyard style. Now to Young, middle of the field. Kobe Young looking for some help. He's going to throw it back. And this is Jacoby George. Now he'll dance with it. George... Trying to make a move with it. Ball got knocked loose, and the game is over.
1: (laughs) I hate that play. I hate that play. But how about that? You have the lead, Georgia Tech, conference opponent. You're a top-ten team, and all you have to do is kneel down, and the clock expires. Why are they running plays? And they did it twice. The beginning of that clip, you heard they ran a play on first down. Like, what are you doing? And the second down, Georgia Tech strips the ball. They recover it two plays later. You've got the touchdown. They went 74 yards in 25 seconds. They win 23 to 20 on a 44 yard touchdown pass from Haynes King to Christian Larry. Unbelievable. And here's the worst part about this. This is not the first time this has happened to the Miami head coach, Mario Cristobal. Remember Cristobal where he came from, Oregon. It happened there. You know what the first things you do when you go to OTAs in the offseason or then when you go to training camp is you work on victory formation. It's the first play that you install and you go over because you want to get that in players' mindsets. Hey, we're going to be doing this a lot. Victory formation. Victory. Mario Cristobal has never ran that. That's why they didn't go Neil Diamond. They don't have a victory formation. They've never worked on it. It's not in their playbook. How insane in the membrane is that? Mario Cristobal, explain yourself. Please.
4: I should have taken the timeout right there at the end. Thought he could get the first down, and you know, we talked about two hands on the ball, but that's not good enough. Just should have told him to take any in. That's it. Fumbled the ball at 25, and they won 75 yards in two plays. So I'm not going to make an excuse for it or – Say so you should have done this or that. That's it. I man know we should have, should have done it. You know sometimes, just get carried away with it. Hey, just finish the game and run it. But I should have just stepped in and said, hey, just take a knee.
1: Take a knee. Would your quarterback know what to do if it's not in your playbook? You never practice it. I made the wrong call. I take full ownership in not taking a knee and giving them the opportunity to have a couple extra plays and preventing us from sealing the win. <laughs> The game is over. Georgia Tech has no timeouts left. You have a first down. With 33 seconds to go. You go Neil Diamond one time. And the game is over. Unbelievable. It's just unbelievable that and it's not the first time that this has happened with this coach. If you're Miami, I'm not saying that you fire the guy because they're undefeated, but how can you have a coach that can mismanage a game like that? That is the worst mismanagement, I think I've ever heard, ever seen, ever. That is self-inflicting. And we see college teams, we still t- see teams you know, take knees. We see that. But you know, we see them run more and maybe take a knee like maybe on the final play. But this, inexcusable, especially when you're a team like Miami that is really not that good, but you just gave away a victory. And this could cost you for a spot maybe in the conference championship game or a major, major bowl game or maybe even a national championship if you keep on winning. But, wow, how does that locker room feel? Or how did they feel after that game on Saturday? And how do they feel this week? Just Pathetic. (laughs) Alright, you got some terrible Tuesday takes, you can always hit me up on Twitter at TCMartin21 Let me know which you got we come back, Chris Bosio is going to join us We'll give you an update on what's happening in the ALDS right now, Astros Twins going, Orioles and Rangers later, we'll talk about what the heck is wrong with the Orioles What the heck's wrong with the Dodgers I do
0: exactly what I want to do It's It's the the doctor, TC Martin You say I'm insane, I say is now in.
3: Alright, the
1: beat goes on all week here. Last night, we had Raiders and Packers tonight. Golden Knights getting their championship rings. How about that? The second professional team getting their championship rings. Aces? try. Silver, black, Golden Knights, gold in black. Yeah. So tonight, rings, banner, and veil tonight. T-Mobile Arena, 7:30. Looking forward to being there for that tonight. Uh, as the Golden Knights kick off or face off. Use the right terminology. Face off against the Seattle Kraken. All right. Had a pretty good sophomore season last year, didn't they? All right. So we got that happening tonight. And then. Back at the house tomorrow night, the Arena game two, of the WNB Finals, Aces and the Liberty Aces try to take commanding 2 0 lead tomorrow night. Thursday, we'll be doing the show at the Westgate of Las Vegas. So we'll be on the road Friday. So Thursday, we'll be at the Westgate. All right. Friday, in studio, Brian Feldman, C Wynn will be filling in for me while I am traveling to New York. So. And then next week we'll be doing the show from New York, depending on how the series unfolds. So there's your programming notes for you with that. But Thursday, come on by inside the world-famous Superbook at the Westgate Las Vegas, 2 to 4 p.m. Thursday as we get ready for a little Thursday Night Football, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Denver Broncos. And it's kind of been, we've been doing this every other week type of Thursday thing. Fridays is our normal Friday home at the Westgate Superbook. But because of the schedule, it's been like, so... If you've been following along, this should be a normal schedule. Yeah. Friday, Thursday, Friday, Thursday, Friday, Thursday. Yeah. And then next week, we'll get back to Friday every Friday. How's that? All right. Join us now. A man who's got a lot to say. He always has a lot to say. He's got a lot in his mind. The pitching coach himself, the pitcher himself, the one and only Chris Bosio. It's playoff baseball, brother. What's going on?
5: CC, how you doing? I'm good, brother. What do you know? You know, you break down the schedule day by day, literally minute by minute. But I don't hear anything about Nunchuck's birthday tomorrow.
1: Well, that was the last segment. That was the last segment.
5: Thank you, Nunchuck. Yeah.
1: I I don't know what what it is. I mean, this is a guy you've never even met before. But yeah, I, I it sounds like you you're you're his agent now. You're representing this guy.
5: I mean, you love this guy. I represent. I represent. That's right. That's it. You just like him for his belt. That's it. No, because you know what? Nunchuck's a professional.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You should see the way he dresses. You should see the way he dresses. He dresses worse than you. Uh, I'm wearing a misfit shirt.
5: I've seen you dress, GC. Save it. (laughs) (laughs) Last
1: time you saw me, I was decked to the nines, man. You know that's true maybe one or two, but not in the nine. Uh, oh, wow. Look at you, man. All right, you, are you glued to seeing our boy chewing oh on his toothpick God. right now? Four-nothing Astros against the Twins. Game number three, pivotal game three in the best-of-five series, Boz.
5: Make it five. They got first and oh. second nobody out right now. Oh. Sonny
1: Gray's out. Sunny hey your boy, out. Your boy, Sonny Gray, the one that Boz said pre-opening day, says watch out for Sonny Gray. And
5: he had a good year. I'll give you that, no doubt. But what happened to Sonny Gray today? He gave up a couple of homers. He only gave up eight homers all year, and today he gave up two. Which uh, Abreu got one, and uh, Bregman just got one. So, oh. tough day for the, the Twinkies. But it's only the fifth. A lot can happen in that stadium.
1: You know, Javier has been pretty good uh, today. I know he had the uh, he had the twins fishing for some stuff the first couple innings, got out of trouble, but Javi's been uh, pretty good. And Abreu, you know, going back to that three-run homer, so Altuve led off the game. You know when Altuve leads off a game with a base hit or a homer or whatever, you just kind of feel, okay, it, it's the Astros' day, and that's what happened today. Uh, coming off that home loss in game two, I was a little concerned about the Strohs today, and they got off to that great start, and Abreu hit that. Off of Sunny Gray's sweeper. And that's what cracks me up, Boz. Uh, you know, now, you know, everyone's calling this a sweeper. That was the first home run he gave off, uh gave up off of his sweeper this year. But can can do we have to call it a sweeper? What the hell is the difference between a sweeper and a slider, if anything?
5: Uh, it's the new guys. Out of Brown University, the the techie guys that came up with that name. Oh, jeez. It's a slider. You can sweep this, sweep that, whatever. You know, you can, if you can angle the ball, you can make the ball go down or you can take it across the plate. I guess that's a sweeper because it's sweeping across the plate, but it's just changing your arm angle on the finish with your arm path out front. Your arm path goes out front straight down, ball's going to go down. You get it outside your knee a little bit. You can dictate the path with your finish. So all this sweeper stuff, I'm not buying it either.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm with you, man. All right, let's let's talk about uh, this series here. So now, uh, for the sake of conversation, five nothing lead halfway through. Uh, Astros looking pretty strong here. That'd be a two games to one lead. Game number four would be in Minnesota tomorrow. Game five, if necessary, two days later, in Houston. How do you think this series ends up?
5: Well, I, I was on the Houston matchup with Philadelphia all along, and I'm, I'm not going to change it. You know, I, you know, and I know I'm jumping ahead, but at Atlanta. So I don't know how they won that game last night, but that's Atlanta. But Houston looks so tough with Tucker, you know, and Alvarez, you know, and I love how they matched up. Javier on the road. Um, this guy's a big game pitcher, and he's he's really showing up today. And then they can flip the rotation after this. That off day, you know, that's another thing on the schedule. They, You know, the teams with short staffs, three starters, three or four guys in the pen, this new schedule bodes well for, well, before it was all hands on deck. But these off days now, Gives, gives teams a chance to rest and it really benefits the first division clubs, the clubs that really had the best pitching all year, you know, and it's kind of showing up right now with Texas. I mean, they had good starting pitching all year, even though they lost a couple of guys, you know, those, these other no name guys, all of a sudden, they're up to nothing on Baltimore, but you know, it's, it's going to be a dog fight all the way down. I mean, we, you know, we we knew there was going to be some surprises. Didn't know it was just going to be this this number of surprises because some of the stuff is eyebrow raising.
1: You know, with the Astros, the pitching, is, the starting pitching is not as rock solid as it ha- as it was last year. And you know, they get Verlander back. Verlander had a great you know game one, but we've seen him be susceptible. Uh, and Framber Valdez hasn't been good for the the better part of the last couple months. When you're watching those guys, especially Valdez, are you concerned at all that he may have lost something here?
5: If they don't, if they don't have Valdez, Houston not. They don't have a chance to win this because they they got to have it because the lefty flips the lineup and gets some of these other guys out of there and it creates good matchups, you know, for the other team. So. You know, I, I know Dusty's concerned because this—he hasn't pitched well. But I tell you, all it takes is is one five-six inning start, and all of a sudden, now these guys are on a three-four game winning streak because the other guys seem to be doing okay. And, and if they flip this, if they're up in the series with Verlander going, you know, I, I know he, I know Dusty's probably going to have a short leash. But the one thing that they're doing with Justin is they're scoring runs for him. See? Yep. Yep. And there's certain guys when they, they tow it, they've got that magic where you know all of a sudden they get three, four, five runs. That's how you get three hundred wins in your career. Yeah. You know, you you gotta have some some luck. And he he certainly is has pitched well enough and with the run support. The thing that concerns me about you know Justin is their early stuff. He's gotten out of a couple bases loaded jams with double plays. In his last couple outings, not just the last one, the last couple, you know, and if, uh I don't know, if somebody gets a big hit on that, who knows where that series is going to be. But, you know, right now with, again, the left-handed batters are just ruthless, man. Alvarez, again, I think he's got three hits again today. He should have four hits. They gave him an error at first base and should not have been an, or, an error. It was a rocket. And Tucker, Man, I tell you what, Tucker is so disciplined at the plate. You know, they're going to be tough to beat. They're going to be tough to beat.
1: Yeah, especially when you get Brantley in there. You know, every day he's not playing every day, but there's there's probably not a more disciplined hitter in the league than Michael Brantley. Can spray the ball to all fields and can even hit with some power. And to have him back in the mix is, is fantastic. And going back to the pitching here. Boss, how how did you handle that as a pitching coach, especially in the postseason, when you've got a guy that you know maybe doesn't have his best stuff, and we know how much of that, of the pitching game, really is mental as well, too. How did you ha- deal with that stuff? Because I know that you had to, you know, pitchers are, are, are you know, guts are creatures of habit, as you well know, and and you know they're superstitious and all that kind of stuff as well too. But you know, not only mechanically but emotionally, how do you deal with that and try to turn a guy around?
5: You know, you go up to him before the game, and when we have our pregame meetings, you know, we basically tell him how this thing's going to be scripted. You know, you're going to have such a uh, Travis Wood. We got the lead. You're going to have so and so. And the reason you're going to have so and so is this. You've got career numbers against him. This is what you've done on the past. You've had success. Fastball cutter away. You know, for example, like Joey Votto, you've had success throwing him in late with cutters. And then you might go to a, a Rondon or a, a stroke and you go to the same thing. You stay away from guys that have had success. So if they leave that pitching meeting. So now we go out for batting practice. All the batting practice, they know who they're facing. They know that they have the advantage. Now they come in after batting practice, they change, they get something to eat. We come out for pregame. They're walking out to the bullpen. The thought in their head, the entire game is in that slot of the lineup, might be six, seven, eight, might be one, two, three. I don't know, but we've already told them who they're going to face and why. And that in itself can be very, very valuable. You know, I'm a big believer in staying away from the guys that can hurt you with one swing. I would rather give up one base. than let the guy hit a three run homer because he's already got a couple hits against us. And my case in point was when we walked Harper nine times in that series at Wrigley.
1: I remember it. Yeah. Yeah, against Dusty and uh, and, and the Nationals, uh, had to
5: do it. Uh, guy was hot as heck, and you know, and Barry Bonds had the same treatment. Barry Bonds was the greatest of all time. You know, why wouldn't we do it to a guy that's on that same path at a, at a really young age? And we we basically took the bat out of his hand and we said everybody else is going to have to beat us, but we are not going to let Harper beat us, and we didn't. Buzz, be, tra- we
1: not. be transparent here, okay? Because you know Joe Madden took a lot of flack you know, for that, for doing that. Uh, I want to know whose idea or whose call was that. And, and take me back to the conversation
5: with, with you and Joe back in those days. Well, we we would have a meeting with the coaching staff and go over it, and we would say, you know, what's what's the plan with Harper? I would tell him we're we're not going to pitch to him. We're either going to hit him. <laughs> We're gonna short. We're gonna hit him on the front foot and breaking balls, or they're gonna be balls way, way up, way off of changing his eye level. But we're not gonna sit there and pump fastballs at him and strike breaking balls. We're just not gonna do it. Any situation we can, we're gonna pitch around him. And Joe basically said, "I'm good with it." That was basically the last conversation we had about it in the series because when I walk in the meeting, I said. There's a fine if Harper gets a hit. <laughs> if the, he gets a the, hit, there's huh? an auto, automatic fine. It was, it was 100 bucks. Oh. If the guy gets a hit off us, it's 100 bucks, and everyone after that is double. <laughs> I don't want to see this guy on base because he literally beat us and changed the series with one swing of the bat And you know what? I didn't learn my lesson because later on, Murphy hit three home runs off us against the Mets, yep. took us out of the series.
1: Right, right.
5: Kiki Hernandez took hit three home runs off us. And Wrigley took us out of the series. Mm. But those were guys that did not execute, made mistakes, and we all paid for it.
1: Well, I know you didn't pay for it, but... Uh, well,
5: we all paid for it because I know, we're, I we're a team, buddy. I know. And, you know, unlike some guys, you know, I'm just saying. Uh, stop. So here's what I want to know the hundred
1: dollars. Okay, I want to know the hundred dollars. All right, where where'd that hundred dollars go? All
5: right, did it go in your pocket? Where'd it go? No, what happened with that? What happened with the all the fine? All the fines went to nonprofits in the area. Okay, that's good. That's and there was a lot of fines throughout the year. <laughs> and we had a kangaroo court. I think that year, I'm I'm. This could be like you hey, your shoelace was untied, your pocket was out. You know, you're embarrassing the club with your pocket being out. Silly, stupid stuff, spitting seeds on national television. You know, you I, know love that that. I love that. I love that. I love to
1: find that because that is that is stupid looking, but everybody does it. And
5: well, like the like Baltimore, the guys, the guys all spitting water. Yeah. If I was on that team, I would find everybody for spitting water on the field. Everybody would get fined, and it's all for good fun, you know. But you you have fun with it. And then you have kangaroo court and you, you're like, look, I'm I, TC stand up. This fine's against you. Okay. You know, it's a $20 fine because, uh, I think, what does it say? The way you dress $20 <laughs> fine. Nunchuck. You are getting brought up by nunchuck. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and all the money and yeah. all the money goes and again. We pick out some nonprofits, Try not to double up. Spread it around a little bit. The community is, again. It's all all good fun.
1: Oh man, I I lost my train of thought because I, I I was going to go somewhere with that about about the fine. I can just picture this this kangaroo court. I can picture your boss with you know the old the old judges like you know robe and the and, and the George and, and the George Washington hat or the fake Got hat or whatever
5: all. with the gavel. You know, it's funny because I'm picturing you and the outfits you wear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're killing me, dude. I know. Oh,
1: uh, <laughs> boss in the, the kangaroo court. I Let me, let me say now, uh, would you institute a fine if your team started bringing out the wheelbarrow after a Homer or the stupid Burger King hat or the helmet or the stupid Thor thing? You know, uh, this nonsense or an Elvis jacket and all this other nonsense. All right. Now, would you, would you
5: condone that? Because oh, Cubs never fine had that. It's not, no, it's fine because it's non-licensed material by MLB. Right? It's an automatic fine. So if you're every time you wear it, you're going to get fined.
3: What do you think of that? We Absolutely. see that in every I team. Can't, Where we I can't.
5: I I can't stand it. I. I don't know. All you got to do is look at some of the teams that aren't doing it. You know, I. I don't know. I. I don't mind the guys taking pictures, but some of the outfits, I. I First of all, you got to do a little better and right. be a little more creative. I'd find him for that. Minnesota's got the the, the fly fishing oh. vest. Come on, guys! I know, right? Come on, might as well just wear it. Just hold a trout. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> just pathetic, pathetic. All right, what happens tonight, a, man? Throw him a fish. What happens, Baltimore, Texas? Call it.
5: Texas is so hard to beat at home. I got Texas. I got them in the sweep. I got them putting up a crooked number because that's what they do. You know the balls ball flies down there in Tejas. You know that, and they're going from outside to inside, and that Texas crowd's going to be hopping. The one thing that Houston did that you have to do on the road with some of these teams is they they put up a crooked number early, and they took the crowd out of it, you know, and that's what you got to do when you're on the road. Because if they get the crowd into it, now all of a sudden a bloop and a blast, and they they got a three or four spot.
1: All right. How long did the Dodgers last?
5: They're done. Immediately? Dodgers. I, I, it's amazing because the Dodgers are known for their starting pitching, and to watch what's going on with their starting pitching, TC. I don't know. I don't know if I've ever seen the Dodgers have a playoff year like this. When they're starting pitching has been so decimated. How in the world are they going to get back in the series if they're not scoring eight or nine runs? Cause Arizona doesn't look like they're going away and you're going to have to score to beat them. And now they're going back to AZ and that crowd. There's some really good, uh, really good stories being made out there. You know, and I, I'll be honest with you. I would love to see Dusty go back-to-back this year. They got the team to do it. Uh, It might be his song song, you know, swan song going out, you know. We don't know, but a lot of baseball to be had. Bottom of the fifth, one out, first and second. Javier's still in the game, and Twinkies are trying to get something going here with Polanco up.
1: All right, final thing for you. We saw Philly's amazing comeback. You know, 5-4 over Atlanta last night. Uh, rather, uh, Atlanta's comeback, I should say, 5-4. Uh, and Philly won the first game. Uh, they're riding that momentum just like uh, the Diamondbacks, you know, from the wild card round. Uh, does Atlanta get by Philly? Or what happens in this series?
5: I got, I got Philly, and they've got a flair for the Dramatics to look for them to win that series late in the game.
1: So, Boz, you just called that the two best records in all of baseball are bye-bye in the divisional round, Atlanta and Baltimore.
5: I'm the underdog.
0: <laughs>
1: Grease lightning, say, underdog,
5: I, you and Paulie purebred. I just don't see how Baltimore starting pitching is going to line up with the big boys. I mean, over the course of the year, Great story, great team, good young team, but it's just so hard in the playoffs, T.C. It's incredibly hard to get through, and you got to have some guys that have been there. It's just it's hard to do with young pitching. You got to have a little salt underneath that hat, and you know some of these some of these teams are just they're just riding momentum right now, you know, and uh, I just can't see how Baltimore's. You know, going to be able to swing it. I I, re- I really don't. You know, Minnesota's got more experience. Houston's got more experience. You know, Arizona doesn't. But but the Dodgers, they they don't have anything. I, I saw where Kershaw was fourteen and one against Arizona. What did that get him? That got Arizona a sixth spot in the first. A sixth spot. Right. So you know, and we talked about it. I'm not saying I knew it I'm just you look at the starting pitching anything can happen anything can happen when you don't have solid starters and I just don't see a lot of those grizzled veteran dudes in there you know I see a lot of nine and 12 out starts (laughs) by these guys not six seven innings you're able to get six or seven innings it's a miracle the way these games are played and Dusty's been there. They've got the horses that've been there. They got the experience. You know, I, I got to go with a little bit of experience, and I I got to go with the champs. You got you it, know? brother. You got it. All right, man. We'll let you go, uh,
1: Boz. When you're watching the games on on your couch, are you uh are you spitting some seeds? Are you uh you chewing on some chew there?
5: No, I'm not. My <laughs> days of chewing are over. I got a diet coke. Houston's got bases, or Minnesota's got bases loaded.
1: One with Kepler up. I'm watching it, man. I'm watching it.
5: Oh! yeah, foul ball. No, put a, don't put, get put the safe. game on. Watch it, buddy.
1: I'm, I'm, we're watching it right here. That's what I'm talking about. I'm watching it with you. Okay. All right, man. That's it. I just want to make sure that you don't get fined by Heather for uh, spitting seeds in the, livi- in the living room there. Because those seeds oh. are hard to get out of the carpeting, my friend.
5: Well, that won't happen, and neither will you. Don't worry.
1: Take care, brother. Appreciate you. We'll talk to you next week. All right. All right. See you later. My guy, Chris Bosio. See? You both got Heathers, too. No wonder you guys are tied at the hip. Nunchuk and Boz. We come back. Sam, the man Gordon's going to join us. We talk Raiders-Packers from last night. That wild scene. And then, how about the wild scene Sunday? Aces and the Liberty. We're going to do it again tomorrow night for game number two. That and a whole lot more coming your way. TC Martin Show on a terrible Tuesday
3: you do a lot of talking bro you do a lot of talking all that screaming well you better hope you can play as long as me hey when you get on your knees and say your prayers tonight pray what happened between
6: you and talib on the field early in the game i don't know you gonna ask him because he didn't finish the game ice up son
3: ice up
4: live
0: the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. I know you're going to dig this. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. I wish
3: I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. The
0: doctor is now. Yeah, boy. Why you want
1: to hear this? Hour number two here on this Tuesday. This hour, we'll talk some Raiders and Packers from last night. At a uh, jam-packed Allegiant Stadium, uh, we had silver and black, we had green and gold, we had all that. All right, our next guest uh, will dive into that, and also look forward to game number two of the WNBA Finals, the Aces and the Liberty coming your way tomorrow night at the Michelob Ultra Arena, and of course, Major League Baseball, we've got that going on as well too. Astros with a five-nothing lead as we speak in game number three, trying to go up two-one on the Twins. And then the Orioles and the Rangers and the Orioles trying to stave off elimination tonight to the Rangers. And then of course, uh, Dodgers and Diamondbacks back in action tomorrow, as are the Phillies and the Braves. We get into all of that, uh, with you this hour as well. All right. My man, Sam Gordon, Las Vegas Review Journal. He was at the game last night. He was at the game the night before. (laughs) Sam probably will take the night off cuz he's not much of a hockey guy cuz we got Golden Knights tonight with the season opener, the defending Stanley Cup champs. They're getting their rings, the second professional team to get their championship rings tonight in the last uh, last 12 months, all right? Behind the Aces. But I know Sam will be back at the Michelob Ultra Arena tomorrow night. Sam Gordon, what's going on, brother? TC happy tuesday how you doing i am good my friend i mean uh just like you man just uh you know we're spent man we're spent but we love being spent in the sports capital of the world don't we
6: uh nothing like it cannot wait um again you you touched you nailed it i'm not will not be a golden Knights uh tonight although i will be out there a little bit more this season but ben goats and ed Granny will be out there for us uh at the review journal tonight and then tomorrow uh, massive game too Uh, at the house at Mandalay Bay at McLeod Vulture Arena. So uh, it doesn't stop. It keeps coming here uh, in Vegas, big weekend uh, as well ahead with, with NASCAR, with golf, uh, with uh, a short turnaround for the Raiders, UNLV and UNR on Saturday. So, a uh, lot to love here. You nailed it. Sports capital of the world. No question about it.
1: All right. Let's talk about last night. I got a chance to see you at the game last night. And uh, I-, I love it. Cause I-, I think there's only two people in the entire press box last night that went over the food offerings. And, and we said, mm, oh, that's great for for you guys over there. But nah, I think we'll eat afterwards. And that was me and Sam Gordon. Right, Sam? Now, what, now what was it for you that you weren't feeling the food last
6: night? Uh, no, I mean, I, with all due respect, TC to the, uh, to, the, to the fine staff and the meal staff at Allegiant Stadium. Oh, they're great. Yes, last night's they're meal, great.
4: yeah.
6: Last night's meal did not exactly float my boat. I I, I preferred instead the the salad, uh, the salad with uh, the assortment of of different kind of deli style meats. No dressing, unfortunately, for the salad. So I, I I ate it dry. But that was definitely my preference compared to some of the other assorted items. Oh, uh, they had out at Allegiant Stadium, but uh, I digress. You see Another fantastic—I mean, the game might not have been fantastic by any means, but the atmosphere on Monday Night Football with with the Green Bay Packer fans congregating at Allegiant Stadium, and then the Raider fans having quite a bit of few things to cheer about. Uh, Last night, I thought it was an incredible atmosphere. uh, Even if the uh, the food did not quite meet uh, what 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 we saw uh, at Allegiant Stadium in terms of the energy and the crowd.
1: And and again, uh, just to clarify, because like I said, they do a fantastic job of preparing that food and everything. But you know, when I see uh, you know some seafood and I see I don't know what that was crabs and that kind of stuff, and and I I was confused, Sam, because like going like, wait, this is Green Bay, Wisconsin. You know how normally the Raiders will will the staff will will try to go to like the of like okay, in Kansas City, you'll have some barbecue or that sort of thing. I didn't see the connection with the, the offerings uh, of food last night, uh, comparable to Green Bay, Wisconsin. For a guy who's lived there for twelve years,
6: yeah, I mean, I thought we were going to get something, something cheese-related for sure. sure. Some kind of cheese curd or, or something like that. But fun fact, you see, um, I don't, I'm not a seafood guy. I don't eat seafood at all,
4: right? Uh, of any kind, yeah, just,
6: right? Uh, of any kind, just not for me. Uh, my dad actually was a crab fisherman out in the Bering Sea off of the coast of Alaska uh, when he was in his 20s. So seafood was a big part of my childhood and my life. And no matter what he did to kind of encourage me to kind of push myself or try different things, it, it just never it, me and seafood never clicked. So with all due respect, uh, you know, again, again, I'm glad our colleagues uh, in the media in the press box last night were able to enjoy uh, the the spread and the display. Again, I thought, again, I thought there would be some cheese curds or something with cheese, right? there's you we saw. <laughs> cheese has all over the stadium thought we'd see some cheese we did not and it was the salad for me <laughs> yeah
1: and, and for me sam uh, i don't know if it's that way well if the Vi- the vikings haven't been here right i mean they'll, they'll be here later they they, haven't, they haven't in December, here. right right exactly so so for me i enjoyed it because i got to see a lot of my former green bay colleagues last night who cover the packers travel with the packers and uh, that that was pretty cool and you you'll probably run into that in december for you you know coming from minnesota and everything so i enjoyed that and what i did last night was you know i spent the first half up in the press box. And then in, in the second uh, half, I wanted to make sure that uh, I, I got down and got some of that ambience, you know, down in the bowl and the field and stuff last night. And uh, it was. I mean, I thought, you know, when I, and we talked about this leading up to this game, that I thought I was going to rival the crowd for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I thought it was going to rival that. And, and it certainly did, even though the Steelers were maybe dressed more, you know, with the gold and the black and they had, and they brought the terrible towels inside with them. Uh, but the Packer fans, I mean, you could hear it, but really visually. If you're looking at the stadium, like from where we were at the press box, it wasn't that noticeable. But man, was it uh, visible, or I should say audible, you know, by listening when the Packers scored or the Packers had a Jimmy Garoppolo sack, you know, on the defensive side and that sort of thing. And I don't know, Sam. I would say uh, maybe even more Packer fans than Steelers. What's your call?
6: I mean, I heard "Go Pack Go" anytime the Packers were rearing up to do something. You see, and you you nailed it uh, in terms of. The reaction to the significant plays the Packers had. Now that said, I did think the Raider crowd, when the Raiders uh, made a play, that they were right—they were barking right back in terms of their their energy and, and the loudness of their cheers. So it was a back and forth, it being how close the game was. Uh, the back-and-forth nature of the game with both teams really, I mean, who wanted to win last night, right? The Raiders, of course, at the end of the day, able to seal the victory. But neither team, I think, played a, a great game by any means. Uh, sloppily played in a lot of ways. But that made it close. That made it competitive. Uh, that made it interesting. And it made every single play, if you had a first down, a sack, a 12-yard gain, a 20-yard gain, an interception, a deflection, all the, the assortment of plays that were made last night, uh, each one kind of took on a, a greater significance because they were so Few and far between big picture. So, uh, a defensive battle, if you want to call it that, I think credit to both defenses certainly played well, uh, but also a lack of offense was also part of the game that we saw last night, too. I think it was both things kind of working in conjunction, in conjunction with one another. But either way, to your original point, it made for a great crowd, a fun night, Monday Night Football, anytime a primetime game, primetime games just have a different feel to it, and that will never change. And mo- there's something about Monday Night Football, it is a pillar. I think, American culture, a pillar of culture here in America, a a night of TV, uh, a night of of, of the calendar, one night a week dedicated to a game. It was cool to know that all eyes uh, were on Las Vegas, and the crowd did their part in in making sure uh, I'm not exactly sure what it looked like or sounded like at home for those watching the broadcast, but I know being in the stadium last night, the crowd certainly did did its part, and it's something again, in terms of opposing teams, some of the Raiders are going to have to combat to some degree, I think, as long as they're here, being that Vegas is the the tourist market that it is, and, and that it's always going to be a fun weekend on the calendar for opposing fan bases and, and fans of opposing teams to come out here, have a fun time in Vegas for a couple of days, and then and then bring it all to, bring it all together with a game on Sunday. So that's going to be something the Raiders are going to have to work against, but they can do themselves some favors and get more silver and black in the crowd by continuing to win uh, like they did last night. So it's it's a step. I'm not sure how significant of a step it is for the Raiders. But for a team that, you know, was struggling through the first four weeks to get anything right, the fact that they're able to, to win a close game and, and execute late, uh, defensively, uh, might go, uh, you know, might, it's a start in terms of, in terms of fixing, uh, or at least how they're going to look at it, fixing the, the balance or imbalance that they have with opposing fans compared to fans of their own.
1: Sam Gordon joins us, Las Vegas Review Journal, talking about Raiders and Packers last night at Elysian Stadium. It was not a pretty game. You're right. It was, it was almost like an, an ugly game and, uh, neither quarterback, uh, was outstanding. Uh, Jordan Love cost his team playing simple, Sam, uh, three interceptions. If he doesn't have the three interceptions, especially that one at the end in the end zone, uh, the Green Bay Packers may escape Las Vegas with a victory last night and, uh, total yards uh neither team got over 300 in total yards. Packers had 285, the Raiders had 279. Uh neither team really could uh you know move the ball through the air and we saw that both coaches take the ground and pound attack there which yeah. kind of made for a, a quicker game and maybe not as as an exciting, you know, type of game, but I don't know. Uh, it just seemed that it was a, a game where both teams needed it, but I really didn't see either team Sam uh, do enough to win the game, and when the Raiders got out of there with a victory, it was like against anybody else. And they probably have another L in this game. I don't, that's the feeling that I had, but uh, I just wasn't overly impressed with either team.
6: No, not at all. I mean, it was a it was a, uh, a meeting of mediocrity, right? At least, certainly up to this point. Where where I do think the Raiders can hang their heads, or not hang their heads, hold their heads high. Rather is they've only allowed one touchdown in the last six quarters and and be it against Jordan love or be it uh, against, uh, against Justin Herbert on a day where he's struggling or it, it doesn't matter for a team that has struggled as bad defensively as this team has the last few years. The fact that they're able to get pressure, that they're able to force turnovers is a step in the right direction. And again, six, six quarters, one touchdown, that's nothing to necessarily sneeze at. Does that mean that the Raiders have suddenly become the purple people leaders or the steel curtain? Not, not even remotely close, but it gives them something to build on. And because their defense played well, again, led by Max Crosby, who was a one man wrecking crew out there with what he was able to do, uh, in the pass game, in the run game, uh, how he was able to force penalties, we got, you know, generated a holding call because of, uh, the uh, pressure he was able um, to get on Jordan Love. It's you, this team you're, you're going to have to develop some sort of identity, and with the schedule coming up, the Patriots, the Bears, and then a couple New York teams um, coming here to Allegiant Stadium. Those are games in theory that are all winnable, and, and quarterbacks that are all kind of willing to give away the, give away the ball. When you take a look at the signal callers for the next four teams, so. We we This is five games now where the Raiders haven't scored. They haven't been able to move the ball there yet to score over 20 points. I don't know what the exact stat is, T.C., but I'm sure you saw the one I'm going to reference floating around. There's only been a handful of teams in NFL history to not score uh, 20 points in, in any of their first five games. Or I don't know if it's NFL history, if it was dating back to 1990 or whatever, but there was a prominent stat that there was very few teams that had scored, uh, it, it struggled to score as much as the Raiders have, Through first five weeks, none of them won a game. You know, they they all struggle to win a game. The Raiders are are two and three. So the fact that they're able to win, that they have two wins with an offense near the bottom of the NFL in rushing, bottom of the NFL in time of possession, that can't put points on the board, that hasn't scored more than eighteen points in a game this season, it it is a credit. It's certainly last night was was a credit to their defense. So can can they sustain some of that against teams? Uh, where where the quarterback play isn't great. Teams that are in, in, you know, situations of their own trying to figure things out, uh, trying to figure out whether they're going to, you know, they have the capabilities to be competitive or not. If they're going to be in the Caleb Williams or Caleb Williams sweepstakes at the end of the season, that's what we're going to learn. So they, they won the game with defense. It certainly wasn't with offense. They have a myriad of issues on that side of the ball. And I don't expect that to necessarily change anytime soon, but with Max Crosby and a secondary that was active, uh, and a linebacking core that was fast, Roberts, Fillane, a couple interceptions, uh, that, that should give them an opportunity if, if, to, to win, you know, a couple of the next few games. So we'll see what happens. It was not, I'm with you. It wasn't necess- It wasn't an impressive performance by any means. You know, Josh McDaniels again with an opportunity to ice the game with a fourth and two, Alexa kick a field goal. There's been a few head scratching decisions uh, on his part. Uh, but Jordan Love uh, did not just isn't there yet as a starting quarterback. He he really struggled and the Raiders were able to induce some turnovers, including Amy Robertson's pick. So they're not gonna apologize for that win and nor should they.
1: Yeah, Robert Spillane and Max Crosby were great on the defensive side of the ball, no question. Uh, again, Packer, patchwork offensive line, uh and Jordan Love not a good quarterback uh, you know, at all. Um, the story here though is Devontae Adams. And when you have a player like Devontae Adams, it just still does not seem like the Raiders are using him properly. Last night, four, four catches. Uh, I'm not even sure he had more, ta- uh, even many more targets than the four last night. Only 45 yards, and in that one, you know, basically game-winning drive that they had, where they, where they scored the the winning points, uh, it was Devonte Adams who was key on that drive. But it just seemed like he was pretty much silent. Sam and I understand that you know he was injured, had a little sh- a shoulder injury, and really didn't practice much at all this past week. I get that, but if he's ready and suited up to play, uh, when they went to him, he looked fine. Yards after the catch were great. It looked like vintage Devontae Adams. But I just don't understand uh why he is not a, a, a bigger piece of this offense. And then there's Hunter Renfro. I mean, here's a guy again that had one catch and I think one target again last night. And I'll say this, the Raiders did a pretty good job of spreading the ball around. I believe that uh, Garoppolo hit seven receivers last night. But you, you don't need to do that. When you have a guy like Devontae Adams and, and a weapon like Hunter Renfro, I mean, y- use those guys, especially Adams. So for me, it's a big mystery here offensively, and it just correlates exactly what you're talking about here: a team that can't score over 20 points.
6: Yeah, four targets for Adams is unacceptable, and uh, by any stretch. And, and he said as much in his post-game uh, media scrum in the locker room yesterday. So you said that, you know, regardless of the coverage, if double coverage or bracket coverage, or having a, 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 a two safeties deep, having one, you know, one to his side of the field take away a deep half or something, if that's all it takes to, to, to marginalize or neutralize Devonte Adams, uh, then quite frankly, if that's, that's, that's not good enough, that shouldn't be the case. And he's a guy, a PC that I think sometimes you got to force feed him the ball. And that means maybe throwing it to him in situations where he has to make a contested catch because he's proven more than capable throughout his career, throughout the course of his career of making plays that maybe other receivers aren't supposed to make. So, uh, there were times, um, that he was open yesterday. There were times he was open off the line. There were times that if, if Jimmy Garoppolo had a little bit more time in the pocket and is able to, to, kind of step up and then isn't under so much duress, uh, he's able to find him, you know, late as well. Uh, either way, four targets, uh, isn't nearly enough. And, and the marginalization or, you know, complete reduction of, uh, Hunter Renfrow from this offense remains puzzling. I, I would be one thing, TC, if the Raiders were moving the ball and scoring 25, you know, 28 points a game without him, but what they're doing right now is not working. So maybe it's time to to try and figure out a way to incorporate his skills, his talents. I know under the previous regime, you know he he was able to kind of freelance a little more and and had more uh, optionality in terms of his route running than he does now. But but maybe it's time to, to to kind of green light him for some of that stuff because it was just two years ago that he had a hundred catches and a thousand yards. It was uncoverable in the slot for a team that went ten and seven and made the playoffs. And the fact that he's one of the highest. You know, not, not not top five or top 10 or anything, but he's one of the 20 highest paid receivers, uh, in the NFL, a deal that was, you know, given out by this regime, Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels. And it makes no sense for $13 million or whatever his salary is this year, $14 million to sit on the sideline when the offense is going three and out, you know, over and over and over again or struggling in the red zone the way they did uh, on first and goal from the seven after Roberts Pelain's first interception set them up with premium real estate. Uh, in a goal to go situation, uh, early in-, in the game. I believe that was midway through the second quarter. So, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, you know, it's w- what's going on in, in, in Raiders practices and what's happening here in order to yield these results. We don't get to see practice like we did, uh, in training games. So we don't, we're not exactly sure what's happening and what's being done to address the issues. But so far through five games, it's a lot of the same. It's, you know, short, a running game that's totally ineffective. It's uh, as a result a lot of kind of predictable passing downs. Opposing defenses uh, can blitz a little more, like the Packers did yesterday, in terms of ratcheting up their blitzing or or get pressure uh, with with their front four, like like Buffalo was able to do. If you if you just have a good defensive front, or the Steelers. So, uh, yeah, Devontae Adams in no game should be marginalized like that. And, and the, the curious case of Hunter Renfro, uh, remains exactly that. Um, so we'll see what happens. We'll see if there's anything different against the New England team on Sunday that is, you know, in worse shape, certainly at one and four in worse shape than the Raiders, as bad a shape as any team in the NFL. Uh, right now, coming off of two games in which they just got outscored, what was it, thirty thirty four nothing and thirty eight yeah. three, right, something like that, seventy two right. three their last couple games. Right. So this is a, you know, Bill Belichick is not going to want to lose to a protege, and you know, at the very least, they're going to be prepared uh, on the defensive side of the ball against an offense that's been that's, that's struggled uh, at this juncture, even though the Patriots are dealing with some injuries. So uh, regardless of how well the defense plays, TC, once the schedule turns up a little bit as as it's going through in the second half. Uh, unless they get the offense together and are able to put together some points, it's not going to matter if the defense is you know, improved uh, from last season. It's not going to matter at all. Uh, the offense, again, one of the worst in the NFL, and, and four targets for Devontae Adams is, isn't helping anything out by any means.
1: All right. Well, the opposite side of that spectrum is uh, the residents over at the Bulteri in the Mandalay Bay. They have no problem scoring. Uh, number one in the WNBA, put 99 on the board on Sunday afternoon, as they defeated the New York Liberty 99-82. to Number one offense, number one defense, number one in pace. And uh, the Aces uh, put it all together, Sam. And I know that you were there. You enjoyed it uh, just as much as I did. And uh, that was a big win. And any time that you have a best-of-five series, uh, that getting that game number one on your home floor is vitally important. And again, now they are two victories away from going back-to-back
6: really thought TC on Sunday their second half the second half they played all things considered right stage situation circumstance what's on the line was as good of a half as the team has ever played at any point uh since they've been in Las Vegas i mean sandy brondello said as much the aces were so in sync on both sides of the ball especially defensively against a team that's had their number all year long uh they they it was the 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 final score TC th- doesn't reflect how dominant of a performance in the second half This was the fourth quarter for the most part was not competitive because the aces were so good on that end. So uh, that being said, all they did was do what they were supposed to do. They're the home team. They're the favorite in the series. It's their job to take care of game one. And I'm expecting a better effort tomorrow from the Liberty. The the Aces, I think kind of beat them at their own game. The Liberty are the, are the bigger, you know, generally thought to be the more physical team. That's how they were able to kind of win those matchups, uh, the last during this later part of the season, uh, against the Aces. But on Sunday, despite giving up some size in the second half, the Aces were one really, really sound and connected in their help side rotations, uh, in terms of being at the right spots on the floor, so they could be a little bit more aggressive, uh, defending on the perimeter. You saw Maureen Johannes trapped instead of, you know, uh, shooting, catching and shooting freely or dribbling freely, uh, coming off handoffs like she was in the first half. And then as a result, when you're trapping, the rotations have to be on point. And when shots went up, it was all five to the glass. There was a physicality from the Aces guards and perimeter players when it came to rebounding. And of course, Asia Wilson and Kia Stokes, their tandem. Uh, as good on the glass as there is. And they were, they, they, they were, they played bigger than New York's front line. And, and when you're limiting the liberty to one shot, the aces, as we know, TC are as good as it gets in transition. So they were able, to, as a result by not, of not getting killed on the offensive glass, like they did during the regular season, you're able to run out, get out, run in transition and set your offense quicker than they're able to set their defense. And I thought the aces did a phenomenal job of attacking the matchups that they had, the advantageous matchups that they had. Of course, if you're the Liberty, you're going to want to limit the duo of, of Asia Wilson and Chelsea Gray as much as possible. They both had very, very good games, just not quite the games that Jackie Young and Kelsey Plum had. They had the favorable offensive matchups with the attention being paid to Asia and Chelsea. They, they, they're they able to, to feast upon the defensive matchups, Jackie Young being guarded by Sabrina Ionescu and then Kelsey Plum being guarded by Courtney Vanders. So great offensive players, all-star players, not known for their defensive capabilities. The Aces, uh, it, was a, it was a schooling in the second half in terms of ball movement, in terms of attacking matchups, and in terms of uh, defensive rotation and co- uh, rotations and cohesiveness when it came to executing a game plan uh, and expecting the Liberty to be, one, much more physical uh, in terms of trying to, to, to rely on their advantages and, and reemphasize their advantages that they have. Uh, with size, and then and then expecting to see some different defensive looks. You can't maintain those matchups, be it if it's going to be more switching, maybe a little zone. I'm not exactly sure what look we're going to see, uh, but not expecting Benazza Laney to guard Chelsea Gray uh, the entire game. I would expect her to, to see some time on Jackie Young and Kelsey Plum, and at least make the Aces do something differently than they were able uh, to do in the second half, so uh, a super competitive first half with the Aces that showed their championship poise and their experience. We'll see how the Liberty respond on Wednesday.
1: Yeah, and see, that's the thing. The Aces have so uh, much weaponry on, on the offense, and where you can get those those mismatches. And when I talked to Becky before the game and I asked her point blank, I said, you know, every time we have a, a championship series, it doesn't matter, a, a finals, no matter what sport it is, there's usually that unsung hero. Okay? And we saw it last year with Raquana Williams. She was definitely uh, that piece, you know, that no one really expected came off the bench and delivered those big threes in the victory against uh, Connecticut last year. And I asked her, I said, who do you think it is? And she uttered two names. She says, Jackie Young and Alicia Clark. And then bingo boom uh for, for both of those. Alicia Clark played 28 minutes. Uh she was yep. phenomenal on both ends of the floor and what she brings. And we've known that for a while. Uh but now she's gonna see extensive minutes because Becky isn't gonna go much to that bench. You're not gonna see much of Kirsten Bell and not gonna see any Kayla George and this and that. And they've got to they're gonna go six deep and she's gonna ride with, with the horses. The core four, and then have Kia Stokes do what she can do, you know, on the defensive end, and then have Alicia Clark come in. And Alicia Clark was great but you know to your point of what you just said the reason why Jack Young is getting these opportunities because they can create those type of mismatches with the Liberty's guards. The Liberty's, you know, as good as Sabrina nescu is and Courtney Vandersloot, uh, they're not as good as the Aces' three guards. And I think that's where the difference in the series is. And if you can get John Quayle Jones in foul trouble like they did, you know John Quayle Jones, she, she's going to do what she did uh, her time in yep. Connecticut last year. I mean, she'll blow a gasket. You'll get her thrown her off her game and she was a different player as she was in the second half when she picked up her fourth foul. So I just think that, you know, there's... So many things that Becky can do. And she is just marvelous at making those changes, whether it's halftime adjustments or during the in-game timeouts, uh, to do that. And then it could be Jackie Young. It could be Kelsey Plum. It could be Chelsea Gray. It could be Asia Wilson. And like you said, we're, we're, we're talking about a 17 point blowout that felt like about 25 or 30. And that was with Asia yeah. Wilson getting 19 and Chelsea Gray only getting 20.
6: Yeah, for sure, and and the the thing about that this group at this point, and it's a credit, um, obviously to Becky Hammond, but also the culture that that Bill Lambier helped yes. still as well. Like nobody cares who's scoring; uh, they just want this is a team at this point. All, all four of those players have their have their individual accolades. They're as accomplished as it gets collectively, and, and you know certainly individually at very various, various levels. All stars, uh, all WNBA caliber players. This is this, this is a group that understands that to achieve those things, it's about winning and. The, the, selflessness, I, I think was on display and, uh, Aja Wilson, right? The, 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 who I believe should have been the MVP of the league. You know, almost, almost 23 a game this year, a career, a career game. And, and the, she was totally fine deferring to the guards and, and scoring when the ball came to her. The ball doesn't ever stick, uh, or certainly didn't stick on Sunday with the aces and Chelsea Gray wasn't forcing anything, not, not necessarily looking for her offense unless a matchup, uh, dictated it. And because the aces are so diverse in their offensive style, they can go with a smaller lineup. Uh, with Alicia Clark in for Kia Stokes so they can go bigger. Uh, they, they have a number of guards that, you know, all three of their, their, their starting perimeter players uh, can do stuff off the dribble and create for others as well. And then it, when Asa Wilson has uh, advantages under the basket, she's as good as it gets around the rim, uh, certainly offensively and then defensively as well. So uh, it'll be interesting, against E C to see what the, the Liberty do. I think one thing that, that I mean, if, if it's a totally different game. If some of those shots just go in, in the first half, the Liberty got some good looks. Sabrina Ionescu didn't shoot. Well, Courtney Vandersloot, again, I think another subtle adjustment that the aces made in the, in the second half, they allowed her to kind of shoot whatever, whatever shot she wanted. She's a, a, a certainly the, one of the, the greatest floor generals in the history of the league, but she's a, a streaky shooter. So anytime she's shooting the ball, that means Sabrina, Ionescu and Brianna Stewart aren't shooting the ball. It means John Paul Jones isn't posting up underneath the basket at six foot six. So, how, how do they redistribute their shots? Uh, and, and do some of their three pointers go in? Again, they, they got relatively clean looks. If some of those shots go in, it's a totally different ball game. So, I think the Aces know that they're in for a series. Uh, Kelsey Plum, after her 26 point game, a majority of her buckets at the rim, at the basket, kind of showing how she took advantage uh, of, of the matchup with Courtney VanderSloot was not content to stand around the three point line and jack up shots. She said after the game, on Sunday that she knows she's not going to get the same kind of look. So it will be a different defensive game plan. I'm sure there will be some different offensive wrinkles for the Liberty where they're able to get John Quayle Jones and Brianna Stewart touches and I think more favorable spots in easier offense. How do the Aces respond to that? I think you hit the nail on the head. Becky Hammond showed last postseason not only big picture, is she as good as it gets in terms of constructing a game plan but she's also good at adjusting and and recognizing when other teams are doing things well and making changes as we saw on Sunday with the trapping of Marine Johannes, So uh, it's one game, you know, the Aces are up one, nothing, but it's a series for a reason. The Liberty uh, still, sh- you know, are in this series. They should feel like they're in this series and they only need one in Las Vegas. So I, I would expect that they're going to throw every wrinkle uh, at the Aces. You're not really saving anything. Anymore. They both played game one. They both have a feel for what worked and what didn't work. And, and now we see kind of the coaching test match uh, that we see throughout a playoff series, how that comes into factor uh, in game two.
1: And game two is really the pivotal game in this series. And a lot of people say, well, you know, the odd numbers of games, you know, when you have a five game series is really, you know, like one and three and obviously five. But in this, uh, to me, Sam is, is really huge for the aces to get this victory because I can tell you firsthand, I was there for two games in the Barclays Center during the regular season and the aces did not play well. And that is a tough place to play. It really is. And, and that fan base yep. and that crowd and what they do in game, uh, and the way that Liberty play on their home floor, it is a tough place. And not to mention the cross country travel, uh, for the aces as well, too. You, you factor all that in. Uh, if this series goes back, uh, one game apiece. Uh, it could be danger time in games three and four. Even though I think it's it's tough to beat the Aces three times in a series and to uh, take this championship away from them. But I think they need game two. Sam, how do you how do you see tomorrow night's game going?
6: Uh, I think it's going to be played within single digits. We haven't seen uh, you know a close game between these teams. Not once throughout the courses. No, they've all been they've all been kind of followed the same script where whoever takes the uh, you know takes the. Uh, uh, the, the, the advantage early in the third quarter kind of runs away with things in the second half for the Liberty a couple times, you know, even in the ACEs in the first one, it didn't even take that long for, for some separation to be established. So because of the situation, right. I, I do think, uh, being that the, the Liberty are down um, one, nothing, we're going to see desperation there. Um uh, we're going to see desperation there. Uh, I would expect the ACEs to be equally as desperate because if they lose, tomorrow then the Liberty did their job they, they stole one on the Aces floor and that would of course mean the Aces have to go into New York who has a, as you mentioned also an incredible fan base um, one thing we didn't mention yet you see the atmosphere on Sunday was second to none it was spectacular uh, spectacular atmosphere throughout really credit to, to everybody involved for making Aces games kind of what they are but Brooklyn has the the Barclays Center the Liberty have built their own thing by investing in, in great players like the like, like the ones they have on their team and putting money and resources and infrastructure into making the product great into making the environment and the atmosphere great for fans. So we're going to see, I think, desperation from both teams and the game finally played within a couple possessions. And you'd have to, you know, a favor the aces still because of the experience and know-how factor, but nothing would be a shock on Wednesday night, given the level of play, given the talent we have, uh, in in both sides by both teams. The only thing that would surprise me is if the if the Liberty got blown out again. I think they've proven uh, at this point that they're too good. They're too well coached. They have too many players, too too many superstar caliber players and players with this experience. Brianna Stewart, uh, Courtney Vandersloot, being a couple of them that are, are steeled by championships, and they're going to be ready to go, knowing what the environment is and knowing what to expect. Um, now that the Aces kind of showed their hand a little bit, just like the Liberty Liberty did in game one. There are going to be adjustments on both sides, but we're, I don't think we're going to see a duplicate, you know, a, a, a same script. I think the game's going to take on a little bit different of, of a tenor, and will the Aces be able to match the physicality that I expect the Liberty to come with? That's what we're going to find out.
1: Great stuff, Sam. Appreciate
6: it, and we will look forward to seeing you tomorrow night at the house. Um, sounds good, TC. Appreciate you having me and looking forward to it as well. Uh, uh, always good to see you. Great to see you again uh, on Monday night. And uh, looking forward to a, a great game mm-hmm. uh, and another electric atmosphere at Michelobaltier Arena.
1: No doubt, brother. Thanks. Take care. There he is. You too. Sam Gordon. Uh, go check him out at... uh at a uh, great follow on Twitter, of course, by Sam Gordon. And then at the uh, Las Vegas Review Journal.com, uh, Sam, great columnist, covers everything Las Vegas. Doesn't matter, uh, if it's Raiders, if it's, uh, Aces, UNLV, Golden Knights, World Championship Boxing. Uh, Sam is great and, uh, love having him a uh, part of the show. When we come back, we'll talk a little more, uh, NFL and more update with Major League Baseball right here on this Terrible Tuesday. Come right,
6: let me put some water on
1: your board. More from the Master Debater.
6: on your
4: The
0: Doctor, T.C. Martin. you never know what comes out of this guy's mouth.
1: Don't forget, we will be back at the Westgate Las Vegas inside the Superbook on Thursday. Marco D'Angelo and myself... Scott Sprites will be joining us. Jay Cornegay as well. Get ready for a little Thursday night football: Chiefs and the Broncos. Hey, hey, hey. So make sure you come on out, see the show live. Check us out Friday. I will be on the road, traveling to New York. Hey, hey, hey. All right, getting ready for Aces and Liberty games three and four. We'll see what happens tomorrow night with game number two with Aces. If they can go up two games to none, but yes, programming note: Westgate of Las Vegas Superbook on Thursday. And yes, cool in the gang. Great shows last Thursday, Friday and Saturday, all packed and uh it was fantastic. Uh loved it because they changed up the show. And you know, most artists they have basically like three different two to three different set lists or shows when they play successive nights. But this was totally different. Um I believe this is what this is the third time I've seen them, fourth time I've seen him within the last year, um, uh, coming to to the Westgate of Las Vegas in the International Theater as part of their um part-time residency there. Uh Barry Manilow, of course, is there a lot and then you know cool comes what uh, two, three times a year. Uh but they were there for three nights and uh the production elements were fantastic. Uh the music of course great, incorporated uh, a few different uh songs, but every song, you know, hit after hit after hit, just fantastic, uh, with Cool and the Gang. Uh but they um they hired a a lady from England to come um do some different stuff with with video and uh some stage props and that sort of thing. And they even incorporated a um an acrobatic uh, dancer who was flying around from the, uh, uh, from the ceiling on Cirque style, Cirque style, 100% Cirque style. I mean, she had the rings going. She had the, like, like, like the drapes or whatever, you yeah. know, getting caught up with the legs. They're like, holy moly. And it's like, okay, they, this is, I've never seen them do that in all the years, either working with them, promoting them or, or, or going to shows. But, uh, just goes to show you how they've, uh evolved uh over time and uh I had to go Saturday night because it was Robert Coolbell's 82nd birthday.
2: Makes my 40s seem so <laughs> bad.
1: Gotta <laughs> <laughs> you're halfway there, brother. I am halfway Almost there. halfway there. Think about that. But no and, and for him to do that the way he does it still uh amazing phenomenal uh the band tight as can be uh, great show. So you get a chance to see Cool and the Gang when they come back to the Westgate. Definitely do that. And, uh, not a lot, another, a lot more great shows coming your way at the, at the Westgate in the International Theater as well here, uh, coming up in the next, uh, couple months.
2: So I feel like Fox has an ear on the show. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Cause I'm just looking now and I see that Adam Wainwright explains the difference between a sweeper and a slider.
1: And as Chris Bosio told us in you know, the last hour, it's was like, nah. And I'll tell you the same thing. It's there really is is no different. And I lo- I love the way Bosio said, "Yes, yeah, some guy from Brown University, some analytic guy said this because oh, they said, you know, the slider is going to bite a little bit more and the sweeper basically comes and sweeps across the plate. It's it's a little bit different arm angle and all that stuff."
2: Would you like to hear Adam's exp- explanation from okay. today's game?
1: Adam Wainwright, who is now uh working with with Fox. I think he's right? working postseason. Yeah, he's working postseason yeah. with Fox because he just got done. Uh and it looks like uh you know he has retired. And uh they were trying to get him, I believe it was it was his two hundredth victory. The Cardinals were uh and he had he struggled this year, no doubt about it. So I've been watching him during these first two rounds of the playoffs. So uh yeah, let's hear what Adam Wainwright has to say regarding
4: the slider and the sweeper.
0: Me a sense of, of what it means
4: exactly. Well, a slider is going to break traditionally eight, nine inches horizontally, right? A sweeper, they call it a sweeper because on average, it's breaking 12 to 14. Now, Sonny's actually slides a little bit more than that. On average, it's sliding 15.5 inches right to left. So it's a big... Well, two of 80 hits it hard, but pulls it flat. It's a big breaking pitch. And the difference in a sweeper and a slider, it's... I'll see if I can get there. Okay. When you throw a slider, you're going to see a red dot, and it's going to be towards the bottom left of the ball. That means it's going down. A sweeper, when you throw the sweeper, when you come through, it's there's some science behind this. This seam right here, if you can see, this seam... This seam has to be pointed in the right direction, and it's kind of angled up and to the right. And when that catches the air halfway through, that's when it starts really taking off right to left. And what happens is it just moves more than a hitter's eyes think it's moving. And so it's to- it's totally different than another slider. It's totally different than a curveball, and it's different, and it's kind of, it's just an offset. It's just weird, right? Like, hitters don't see that.
1: All right, Adam Wainwright. All right, so you buying that? That sounds
2: a lot like science from Brown University. Right. I'm sticking with Boz.
1: There you go, right? You know how you say F math? F science. Thank you very much for that. Yes. Never as much for science. Not much for science. I've told the story many times. I spent a good part of my science class reading the racing form from the San Francisco Chronicle with Doc Williams, my uh, uh, science teacher. Doc had to be in his 60s. When I was in high school and, uh, he had the, uh, he had the racing form there. I said, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to scout some horses today and some baseball games. He goes, that's good. Don't, we're not going to, we're not going to do anything anyway today. And then he'd get out, you know, he had the white coat on. He had, you know, the bubbles. I didn't know any of that stuff. I didn't pay attention to science.
2: So you, so we, we were going back and forth texting earlier. Yes. During the, during the weekend. Yeah. And you also said F mattress firm for some reason.
1: And I don't know why. Ooh, because there's Connery. Can we have a breaking news sounder? I don't know. I mean, uh, Mattress Mac, all right? Not a happy camper because let me tell you a story, okay? And I'm sure we'll get some uh, some audio out of this as well, too. Yes, breaking news out of Houston. Game one of the ALDS, the Houston Astros, taking on the Minnesota Twins, right? And so what do the Astros do? They ask Mattress Mac to throw out the ceremonial first pitch, so I'm all excited. said, okay, we're going to have you have you on the show, and uh, we'll talk about this. And I've seen Mattress Mac throw out first pitch several occasions, going back to Game Six of the World Series last year. Was with him when he did. Where it. they had the petition to sa- petition signed to have Loved him sign it. it. Yeah, yes. that was all crowd and the Astros uh, doing a great thing there. Said so yeah. Now, Mattress Mack, Gallery Furniture in Houston, spends a lot of money. He's one of the primary sponsors of the Houston Astros, along with Freddy's, Whataburger, and a couple of others. Mattress Mac right there. And so he has carte blanche pretty much at the ballpark. He has seats behind the Astros dugout. He's got seats uh, in the suites. Um, he's if you ever watch another you watch another game at Minute Maid Park, there is a suite area. I, t- I think I told you I was there for a couple innings last yeah. year. Uh, the right field where you could sit through great food out there. So he's got seats everywhere. Then he's got the nuns ab- above center field. Yeah. So he, Mac has about 40 seats to every game. Spends a lot of money. right? And he's a legend in Houston. He's done so much for hurricane relief and the disasters they've had. Just a great, great man, as we know. And he likes to bet. And he's got a lot of money on the Astros for to win this World Series as well. But anyway, get to that in a minute. He was supposed to throw out the ceremony, first pitch at Game One. I said, "Okay, Mac, we're going to have you on the show." Now I have to have Mac on the show for a different reason, because of what didn't transpire
3: Saturday's Game One. Hi, Mattress Mac here, at Gallery Furniture saying, "Go Stros, big game today." I was all excited. They called me two days ago, and said, "You want to throw out the first pitch at Minute Maid Park?" I said, "Well, of course." Quite an honor. I threw out the pitching game six last year against the Phillies. And uh, uh, even better was yesterday, uh, Reggie Jackson, who's a consultant to the Astros, uh, Mr. October, a great friend of mine called me up and said he was going to, I need to get there early and warm up so I wouldn't bounce the ball and embarrass myself. I said, good idea, Reggie. Uh, however, I got a call from the Astros a couple of minutes ago saying that Mattress Firm is a national sponsor of Major League Baseball, which is fine, good for them. And they said that... Uh, they weren't going to let me throw out the first pitch. And last year, during the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo, I was scheduled to be a uh, judge of the police dog competition. There's a police dog, my friend Constable Mark Herman, is part of his unit. Uh, the police dog's named Mattress Mac. He catches criminals and does drugs, drugs, bomb sniffing. So uh, I was looking forward to going down there and judge Mattress Mac. Mattress firms a sponsor of the rodeo too. And they said, no, you can't judge the dog show. Really? Uh, my message to Mattress Firm is there's plenty of business out there for all of us. What we need to do is promote betting, promote a better night's sleep, not snipe at our competitors. Uh, I'm sure that my endless advertising of Tamper sells lots of mattresses for Mattress Firm. And uh, all I got to say is let's all be better than that. And go Stros! <laughs>
1: Mattress back. there it is. Now, when he said that we need to promote betting and then he said a good night's sleep, do you think he was talking about betting, B E T T I N G, or B E D D I N G?
2: I think he's talking about the double Ds.
1: He was, yeah. Well, if you if you look at the video, he when he says it, he points to a table. It looks like there's a bedding sheet on there. B E T T I N G.
2: That's a mattress or a mattress. <laughs> looks like a table.
1: Yeah. I see that, the mattress. That's a full mattress. The mattress didn't is pointed
2: He didn't point I'm, at the table.
1: The, yeah. That's the cover. But there's a piece of paper that's on that, that table. That
2: explains what the, what's so special about that certain mattress.
1: Let's promote betting. Betting. Bedding. He always is promoting promoting betting. Not betting.
2: Like. It, it's betting. Ask him. You know what? Save it and we'll, we'll ask him.
1: Yeah. So we're going to have, have him on. So if the ask... Okay. So it, tomorrow's game... I was going to have Matt on today, but you know, I do not want to interrupt him because the Astros are playing at while well, the show's going on. Tomorrow they're supposed to play at 1 o'clock Pacific time, 3 o'clock Central. So we'll have him on. But if Texas wins tonight, if Texas wins tonight, then that series is over, then that game becomes a night game. See, see how we're doing here? So we will bring Matt to Smack on tomorrow if. if the Astros are not playing during our show. How's that?
2: Sounds like a plan to me. Okay.
1: Yeah. Hey, and you got to remind me, because my mind's all over the place, as you know. Betting.
2: Betting or bet- betting.
1: Yeah. I don't think I've ever used the word bedding before. Hey, let's go get some betting. No, let's go get some bedding done. That's what I say. That's what he usually says.
2: By the way, update 6-1, end of the 8th.
1: Yes. This is a little behind. Yes. Yes. Okay. So the Astros are three outs away from taking a 2-1 lead in this best of five series. Astros and the uh, Twins are head 6-1 uh, to one right now. Okay. Tonight, uh, keep an eye on what's happening in the American League. The Baltimore Orioles taking on the Texas Rangers. Texas back home, won the first two games in Baltimore, and the Rangers going for the sweep. The number six seed could be taking out the number one seed. How about that? Wow. We'll see what happens. And I would love that because I would love to see the Astros get by the Twins, have the Rangers beat the Orioles. That means the Astros will have the home field advantage, and they own the Rangers. They did this year, every year. That's why they both ended up tied in wins and losses in the American League West, but the Astros got the number one seat, well, won the division, number two overall seat behind Baltimore because... They won the season series over the Rangers. All right, Dean Kramer going for Baltimore and Nathan Eovaldi going for the Rangers. I want to thank Sam Gord for joining us, talking Raiders and Packers last night's game. Raiders-Victoria 17-13. Way to go, Raiders, there. And then also uh, we talked about the WNBA Finals Game 2 coming your way tomorrow night. You'll hear from Asia Wilson tomorrow as we get ready for game number two. And also on the show earlier today, Chris Bosio talking Major League Baseball postseason of playoffs. Go to the website check everything out. It's there for you TCMartinShow.com back at it tomorrow for a wild Wednesday.